friends, and welcome to this audio, The Secret to Change. And this is for you if you frequently wonder why change feels so challenging. So if you're working on some area in your health um, and you just feel like you're getting stuck in either fix-it mode where you're trying to fix yourself and willpower your way towards health, or you just feel like you're constantly searching and struggling and not really getting over the hump. So I'm super excited to unpack some concepts that have been very transformative for myself and for my clients. And this is designed to help you see things from maybe a little bit of a different lens so that you can go beyond willpower and beyond fix-it mode and hopefully get unstuck in whatever area of your health that you're feeling stuck in. So just know we're constantly, I'm constantly learning and growing and discovering these new, these new concepts and learning how to integrate them, like really go beyond knowledge and actually integrate them into our life, into my life and helping clients and people who do the retreats. So just know we're constantly learning like neuroscience, epigenetics, nutrition, there's new breakthroughs every day. And I just want to share some of the things that, um, are, are really present to me right now and very specific to understand how change actually works. So as you're probably aware, if you've listened to any of my, my work or if you're doing a program with me, um, health begins in your mind. And every action that you take or don't take towards your health starts with patterns that have been ensconced in your conscious and subconscious mind. So again, rather than getting into, you know, when we're working with our physical body, rather than just giving you like the foods that you should be eating and giving you a pep talk about nutrition or exercise, I really want to take it deeper and look at the root of where these patterns begin, how to work with them and how to change them. So Socrates said, the secret to change is to focus all your energy not on fighting the old, but on building the new. So what does that mean? And I want to give you a little history so you understand where I'm coming from. So when I first started health coaching, I, I was listening to people talk about what the challenges were, and, and, um, and I'm always so interested in getting at the root of what is creating a particular issue in their life, whether it's emotional issue or a physical issue. Like, what's at the root of that and why? And I started to notice an interesting trend in the health world and even in the therapy world. And, um, and obviously, when I say this, I want you to know that I don't have any judgment towards any of this. Um, I just noticed that there was a very strong um, trend with the people who were getting stuck, who weren't getting better. Um, and the trend was a very strong focus towards what was wrong with them um, and a very strong drive towards constantly looking for like the next diet, the next supplement, the next pill, the next modality, any, and, and, you know, the search is good. There's nothing wrong with the search. That's so important. But the lens with which they were seeing themselves was very much, um, a lens of I'm broken and I really need to be fixed. And it was very much a sense of, um, a focus on what is wrong with me. And, I will have to say, I grew up with that mentality. You know, I did a, my, my very early, um, 
you know, introduction into the therapy world was a, a type of modality that really had you focusing a lot on the quote unquote, the negative, like where the false belief might be or where the, the emotion that the, the um, negative emotion might be. And you kind of follow that. And, and that does have its value. However, I noticed that there's a tendency for the people who are super focused on what was wrong with them to actually get stuck and stay in what I call the hamster wheel of just trying to fix themselves. And they would kind of stay in sort of a survival mode, like they weren't getting worse, but they weren't necessarily getting better. So I really took to heart that trend that I was noticing. And then on the flip side, I just started to really observe the people who were healing quickly and the people who were moving past their blockages quickly and those who could let go of toxic foods or thoughts or emotions without holding on and noticing what their lens was um, with which they they saw this process and they saw life and, and what was the theme between those people. And so something very interesting happened when I, I began to put these puzzle pieces together because I noticed in, you know, in the health world, you know, we, we desperately want to, to get better. We desperately want to feel good, especially if, you know, if you're someone who have been, has been chronically struggling with an issue, whether it's a, a chronic disease or it is extra weight gain that you can't get rid of or digestive problems or skin issues or chronic pain, you know, pain pushes us to want to get better. And there can be this this fix-it mode, this lens where we're so focused on what's wrong with us rather than what's right with us that we kind of get stuck in this hamster wheel of um, focusing on kind of the negative. So so the upside of, of focusing on, you know, the negative is you're able to really acknowledge that there's a problem, right? You know, you're able to become aware of the toxic foods and toxic thoughts and toxic emotions or beliefs that could be blocking you from the level of health that you want. But the downside is that we can become so focused on what's wrong with us and what needs to be fixed that we start to actually create more of the same problem. So I'm going to unpack this a little bit more and help you understand a little bit of the neuroscience behind this and the neurophysiology. And so, you know, don't get um, uh, distressed by that terminology. Don't, you know, glaze over on me. I want to make this as clear and concise as I possibly can. But we have to understand what happens in the mind and in the body when we are so focused on what's wrong with us and we're putting our attention on what we might be doing wrong or we are so zeroed in on the negative or on fixing ourselves. So just to put this in context of real life, you know, how many times have you sat down to a meal and you're acutely aware of all of the foods that you're eating that could be could be bad or might affect you in a certain way or uh, might cause you to gain weight or might give you digestive issues. And all of your attention is focused on what is bad or wrong. Or maybe when you're exercising, your, your mind's attention is on how hard the workout feels or how much it stresses you out or how discouraged you feel. And all of your energy is placed in that direction. And um, again, you know, there in a sense, there's nothing wrong with becoming aware of something that is um, maybe toxic or not good for you. 
The issue is that it puts your body in a state of what I call survival mode. You might have heard people talk about it as the stress response or the sympathetic nervous system. When you're zeroed in on the negative or something that's hard or challenging, where your thoughts go or what you're focused on is where your energy will flow. And this is straight out of Dr. Joe Dispenza, who does a lot of um, incredible work with with brain science, helping you understand the mind-body connection. But one of the biggest uh, keys here is what you focus on is what expands. So what you put your attention on is what is going to become bigger. So if you're putting your attention on the stressful workout or the discouraging feeling that you haven't burned enough calories or you know the 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 thoughts like I'll never make it I'll never be enough I'll never get where I want to go or you put all your attention on what the food that you're eating could be doing to you or maybe you're not eating a you know the right amount or whatever it is it creates this energy of survival mode it creates this stress energy that perception and that attention literally creates a, um, an energy in your brain. It, this, this, there's a signal that gets sent to your brain. It hits the brain kind of like a gong. And then what happens from there is that that signal, almost like a radio signal, it, sends, it goes into the limbic system, which is the emotional center of your brain. And then from there, what, what is unseen, like a, an emotion or a thought, turns into a literal chemical. So it, it goes from being unseen to being something that's, that's physical matter. And that, that neurochemical goes down your central spinal column and into every cell of your body, and you feel that rush of, of stress. It may be chronic low-grade, like a small amount of stress. You'll feel it like as tension or chronic low-grade anxiety. And what happens is that your body perceives this as there's um, a constant external threat. There's something bad that's going on out there. It doesn't really know the difference between what is real or perceived because the language of the body is that that emotion. It, you know, the body doesn't understand that that what may be going on is something very very simple, like a, a like is my food gonna you know make me gain weight or not? The body doesn't understand that. It understands the language of feeling and emotion, and so the the body is picking up on that it's perceiving that and when the body's in this stress and survival mode it it literally constricts it sort of it kind of closes down and so your organs and your systems of your body and and the 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 way the cells communicate all those things begin to kind of like sh- kind of get sludgy they slow down they kind of lock down dependent on the level of stress that you're experiencing so if it's really high stress the body is going to um, put all of its energy into the hands or the arms and the legs for you know quick fleeing and and uh, and quick thinking it's going to go right into the brain for like how do i get away from this this issue this stress um, this problem in my life. But if it's a chronic low-grade stress, then what it does is it, it almost, it just makes the body like works more slowly. It can't heal as quickly. It can't um, 
the, the systems are working maybe at a half capacity rather than at full capacity because that energy is going into survival mode. It's going into that stress mode. And when the body is in stress mode, it cannot heal well. It can heal a little bit, but not near as well as it, as it heals whenever it is in peace mode. So, so if we know this, you know, if we're aware of like my body's in stress, but I really wanted to get it to a place of peace instead, then, you know, why don't we do it? Why don't, why don't we do that? Cause you're probably aware of some of this already. If you've been um, interested in the mind body connection, you're aware of how the stress response affects you, that anxiety and stress isn't great, that your body doesn't respond well to it. You may be aware of all that. So if we're aware that stress isn't hurting us and that we need to live more in a state of peace, then, you know, why don't we do it? Like, it sounds so simple, right? Just move from stress mode to peace mode. And, um, and here's why. Here's why we get stuck in stress mode is because the mind literally gets addicted to these, these toxic thoughts and emotions and self-beliefs, just like the body gets addicted to these toxic foods. So we all understand how um, you know the the body can get addicted to things like sugar and caffeine and and drugs and and smoking and you know just processed foods in general. The body gets addicted to that, but the mind gets addicted to a certain way of thinking, certain negative thoughts. It gets addicted to certain um, resentments and judgments and unforgiveness and and stressors and. And it's not that um, we're, we're wrong or bad or messed up. It's that the mind is just gets used to a certain way of thinking and feeling and being that it becomes familiar. It becomes normal. It becomes uh, what we're so used to that it really does feel like, oh, that's just me. That's how I operate when I wake up in the morning. That's how I operate around food. That's how I operate you know, in, in my daily life. So how do we shift that? If our mind is, is so addicted to toxic thoughts and emotions and towards this, this negativity or this fix-it mode, um, just like the body gets addicted to toxic food, how do we shift that whole way of thinking and feeling and being? So first off, we have to become emotionally intelligent. And what I mean by that is we have to learn how to process those, those toxic or negative emotions as quickly as we possibly can. And so I want to explain this um, so that you really can grasp this concept here. It isn't that we don't feel or allow ourselves to feel negative uh, emotions, sadness, fear, anxiety, anger. It's not that we don't allow ourselves to feel those. We actually need to feel them because what we can feel, we can heal. It just means that we we don't get stuck there. We want, we want to shorten the shelf life of that emotion because with all emotions, they're meant to flow through us. We're meant to feel them. It's part of being human. It's part of learning how to, to be in this world and to have empathy and connection with other people um, by being able to just feel and be authentic about how we feel. The issue is whenever we get stuck, we get stuck holding on to that emotion. We've we've repressed it, we've suppressed it, we've stuffed it down, and that emotion literally gets stuck in the cells of our body. You can kind of think of it like the Disney Pixar movie Frozen, you know, when Elsa 
um, accidentally hurts her sister and then she absorbs the belief that it was all her fault and that her power is bad and it's wrong. And so she, everything ices over and her, even her whole being, you know, turns to ice and what could have been a superpower and what was a kind of a superpower, it turns into something destructive and it, and it, it, it creates all sorts of, of, um, disconnect and, and, and shame and, and hiding. And so in the same way, we, when we repress or suppress, um, emotion, or we have these beliefs, um, that keep us from being able to actually process our emotions, they kind of get frozen in the cells of our body. And so to be able to actually feel them, to know how to process them is the biggest key here. Because here's how it works. Neuroscience tells us that emotions have a shelf life of about 90 seconds to two minutes when felt fully and released. So they're not meant to hang around. They're meant to flow through us and then they're meant to be released and let go. And interestingly enough, we are actually born into this world with that capacity. So think about how young children are so, they're masters at being able to feel emotion and then to throw a fit or to cry and to be sad, and then they're done. They're back to, to playing or doing whatever they were doing within seconds or minutes. And um, I have a great story that illustrates this perfectly. I have a little niece who is three years old, and she is full of life, and she's very emotional, but in an awesome way. And um, she's actually very emotionally intelligent, which I'm very excited about for her. But my sister told me this story um, it was one day that, that Jamie, my niece, was was very upset about something, and she was kind of throwing a fit, and so um, my sister sent her to her room, and um, and she went in there to check on her, and Jamie is standing, you know, facing her closet door, just, just like nosed up to the closet door, and just is scowling, and um, Rachel said, hey, Jamie, you know, how are you doing? And, and she heard Jamie say, when you're so mad you want to roar, take a deep breath and count to four. And then she counted and she said, one, two, three, four. And then she turned around and said, mommy, how's your day? And I laughed so hard when I heard that story because that is a perfect example of emotional intelligence. She, you know, felt it. And she was with it, and then she took a deep breath, and she let it go. And then she's like, Mommy, how's your day? <laughs> it, was, it was a complete and utter turnaround. So this is such a great example of being able to know how to process, to process what it is that we feel. And um, there's so many good tools to be able to quickly process so that our emotions literally have a shelf life of 90 seconds to two minutes. And they're felt fully and then they are released and they are let go of. We don't hold on to them in a way that creates um, false beliefs about ourselves or, or net continual stressors in our life. Because if we, do, if we do hold on, then they essentially they will, they will create this hamster wheel of feeling and thinking. And what that looks like is when we have an emotion that's suppressed, that it's down there, it, the emotion gets pushed up into the head, creating a thought. And then that thought um, basically triggers the emotion again. 
And then the emotion reinforces the thought, and then the thought reinforces the emotion, and it works like this hamster wheel. It's a cycle of thinking and feeling. And we essentially get stuck in that cycle. And then the cycle creates more you know, beliefs about ourselves over time. So even though those toxic patterns or cycles are really hurting us, they become so familiar and almost normal that there's a strong proclivity to accept them as just who we are, like as our identity. This is just what I have to deal with. This is just who I am. And what I found is if we accept or believe or surrender to that identity, that way of seeing ourselves, then it might as well be true in the way that it affects our physical body because the body is a responder, not only to what you eat and drink, but to your thoughts, your emotions, and your self-beliefs. So to heal, it's incredibly important to become conscious of what thoughts, emotions, and self-beliefs we've become just unconsciously addicted to. You know, what is running the show? And then we can learn how to emotionally process them, how to intelligently process those as quickly as we possibly can so that we can create something new. And this is where it gets really fun. Um, I get so excited about the building of the new. So let's go back to the quote at the very beginning. The secret to change is to focus all of your energy, not on fighting the old, but on building the new. And so how do we do that? So again, neuroscience says that what you focus on is what expands. Where your thoughts go is where your energy flows. And there's so much cool brain science behind how, how to focus your attention on what you want to create and how you can, how it really physiologically changes things inside of your body. So I'm going to actually dive into a few practical tips here and, and, um, and give you a little science behind it as I go through each one. So remember that, you know, you are, you're a layer, a very, uh, layered being. So if you've, heard my talk about the anatomy of transformation, I, I explain this in, in the layers of your being. So the outer layer is the physical body. And then the next layer in is your conscious mind. And then the next layer is your subconscious mind. And then you have your core. So I'm going to give you practical tips for each layer. So layer number one, your physical body, what you, what you can do to create um, and, and to focus on building the new is a this really practical thing that's helped me, it's helped lots of my clients, is rather than focusing on you know what foods you shouldn't be eating and what bad foods are out there and all of the bad stuff, begin to really focus your attention on the healthy, life-giving, amazing, high-vibing foods that you want to add. So what I love to do is, especially if I feel like I've gotten off track, like you know, there's a holiday or I've been out of town and maybe I haven't eaten like I normally would and I really want to get on track. I don't shame or guilt myself anymore, though I used to. I don't focus on, oh man, I messed up and I got to fix this. I just focus in on the most life-giving healthy foods I possibly can and, and really integrating those into my life 
more. So maybe I will um, focus on making sure I get a big green juice in or double up on my green juice or a a nice big salad or lots of roasted veggies. Um, I'll focus in on the things that I want to add. I focus in on getting lots of, you know, sunshine or doing a few extra yoga practices. I just focus in on what I want to add with the energy of just loving and taking care of myself. No beating myself up, no self-abuse, none of that. Just what do I want to add? So that would be for your, your body layer. Just focus on what can I add? What can I give myself that will take me on that upward spiral of health? So for layer number two, your conscious mind. Now remember, your conscious mind is like a rudder on a ship. It will help you focus your attention. And so you can use this kind of true north compass that your conscious mind has to set a vision, a picture in your mind and an intention of what you want to create. So your conscious mind can either work for you or against you. If you focus on all the negative things, it's going to take your energy that direction. But if you focus your conscious mind on what you want to create, and um, then, then it will work for you. And so for your conscious mind, I, recomm- I recommend doing as many just affirmations as you can. So just saying to yourself, like, I have what it takes to be really healthy. My body heals quickly and easily. I'm worthy of feeling healthy in my life. Um, I have abundant energy. Whatever it is, it doesn't have to be those particular affirmations, but ones that actually help you set your mind um, on, on the, the truth-based um, the the life giving the the positive things about who you are that will help you begin to create the new. You just keep it focused on on the truth and on the life and on love and on gratitude and and that that true north compass is going to help you in every way. All right, layer number three, your subconscious mind. the The most healthy thing you can do for your subconscious mind is learn how to process emotions and self-beliefs as quickly as possible so that you can release the the toxic stuff that is stuck inside your body the frozen cells you know of of emotion inside of your body to process them quickly enough so that you can tune into something new so that's the best thing you can do for your subconscious mind is is work with it Um, by learning how to process. And uh, if you are doing EFT tapping, which is one of the modalities I use that works so well. Um, Another one I love is emotion code, which is the one that my sister Laura does. It's fantastic. Um, Meditation, visualization, all of these are tools to learn how to release the toxic emotions that get stuck in the cells of your body so that you can really tune into um, the, your core, which is the final layer, layer number four, your core. And this is the most important one of all. So we, we clear blockages and toxic foods and toxic thoughts and toxic emotions so that we can get to this incredible energy and power and, and capacity to heal that is at your core. So CORE is an acronym for Coherent, Open-Hearted, Relaxed Energy. And I won't go into a lot of depth on this, but your core is the, is, it's at your heart center. It is the center of intuition, of spiritual guidance and connection. It's your center of gratitude. It's your center of unconditional love. And the more that you tune into your core and you know how to 
um, you know how to tune into gratitude. You know how to step right back into unconditional love for yourself. You know how to see life through the lens of openness and possibility. And you let that flood your whole body, the faster your body will heal. So the great news is that if you are attending a retreat, then you are going to get multiple opportunities to practice tuning into your core and learning how to process quickly those toxic thoughts and emotions and self-beliefs and and the toxic foods, but for the purpose of being able to stay in that state of being at your core for as long as possible, because that's your healing mode. That's where your body can heal is whenever you are in that coherent, open-hearted, relaxed energy. And if you're not able to attend a retreat, then there are lots of other opportunities such as one-on-one coaching and the smaller one-day retreat events that we hold. And and then, of course, I just hope that any of this information that you receive today, that you can take it and you can run with it and you can utilize it in whatever way that fits in your life. So I'm sending you all so much love and I hope to speak to you again soon. Mm-hmm.